The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. All these rules, guys, so many of them. Who wants to follow them? Which ones should we follow? Well, it's been difficult for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. That news is breaking even as I record, so why not start there? Because like 55 of you have already asked me about this, and the news is, as I record, about 10 minutes old. So Ross Dellinger, now with Yahoo Sports, by the way, congrats to Ross on the new deal, drops a Ross bomb on us all this morning, and that is that sources say Michigan's Jim Harbaugh and the NCAA are working towards a four-game suspension over a recruiting investigation. Now, I know some of you in any given show are new to college football and probably new to the show, so welcome aboard if you're new. Subscribe, please. I'm Josh Pate. We just do college football all year. You may think to yourself, why would they be working towards a suspension? Well, kids, the NCAA hit Michigan with what would be called a notice of allegations a little while ago, And that's just meaning they investigated you, they found you did some bad things, including multiple level two violations. I don't even want to get into all what that means, but it means you did some bad stuff. Now we're going to go before the Committee on Infractions and you're going to get your actual punishment. Well, Jim Harbaugh said, nah, what you alleged against me did not happen. And really what it was is back during the COVID years where things were shut down a little bit, probably more so than they should have been in the Big Ten, they had some visits that they shouldn't have had. They had some texts that were being sent during dead periods. Really stuff that doesn't make much sense to you until you understand the landscape of college sports. Well, those are what we call level two violations. And if you get caught doing it, yeah, you may lose a couple of scholarships. You may go on like a one-year, two-year probation. But you can't even tell. If you're just a fan watching the games on Saturday, you can't even tell. But if you lie about it, that's considered a level one violation. And apparently Jim Harbaugh lied about it. And for a while, he said he didn't lie about it. But now it seems like he's ready to at least on paper admit, okay, I lied about it. And that, friends, is what the negotiation between the University of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, and the NCAA has apparently been about all this time. Now, according to Ross, that's exactly what we're looking at here. We're probably looking at a four-game suspension. And I know everyone's mind, just like mine, shifted immediately to, okay, 
So he's going to be suspended four games. Michigan screwed. Who are they playing? <clears throat> East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. Because when your schedule is a landfill, your coach could probably take a nap on the sideline on Saturdays in the fall, and Michigan would still be okay until like halfway through the season when there's finally a pulse, like a faint heartbeat on the schedule. And that's no disrespect towards those three schools. They're not Michigan, though. And Michigan has no business playing close games with them. I'm very interested, by the way, in Ross's report. He says Sharon Moore, who's the offensive coordinator there, he may incur some penalties, too. Let's just see what that's about. So those are my initial thoughts on the Jim Harbaugh potential suspension. Again, this is kind of just breaking. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of conversation. Oh, and by the way, we're scheduled to sit down with Jim Harbaugh in about 48 hours at Big Ten Media Days. So I'm sure that should be fun and exciting for everyone. And now I know it it sounded like I was getting out of that point, but what actually happened is I had to hit pause because I went on CBS Sports HQ to do a live hit there. So there's been about a 30-minute gap between the last sentence and this sentence. But in the meantime, I did some thinking. You know, I think in the future this is going to be a lot more conference thing than an NCAA thing. And I've talked to you guys about this before. Like, I think we're headed towards a world where conferences, maybe it's collectively, maybe it's individually, they sort of police themselves, and it may be done in an unofficial manner. So I'm not saying there's going to be some announcement, like during a presidential State of the Union from Washington, D.C., this is announced, but I do think down the road, this stuff will happen less and less. So for again, for those of you who are kind of new to this process, people's strategy for a million years has been to lie to the NCAA if they actually did something wrong. Because the thought, and they're not wrong, the thought has been, well, they really don't have subpoena power, like an actual investigative body does. So they really can't force me to say anything. So unless they have rock-solid evidence, unless they have text message transcripts, unless someone flipped and narked, then we'll be good. And that has worked for a long time, by the way. Um, But the strategy has been that Not because you don't want to get caught. Yes, certainly you don't want to get caught. The strategy has been people think that the NCAA responds to the flick of an ear with an atomic bomb, and it will cripple a program, and they have no clue how to actually handle the sanctions phase, like the punishment phase. And unlike the Michigan thing right now, sometimes you end up punishing kids and people who were in a program that had nothing to do with the reasons the penalties have been handed down. And so people have looked at that in the past and said, screw that, we're not taking that chance. We'll just we'll just deny, deny, deny. If you guys went back and watched the 30 for 30, Pony Excess on SMU, one of the boosters that was interviewed for the documentary said, if the NCAA comes to you, you just got to suck it up and deny, deny, deny. And I don't recommend that strategy elsewhere in life. But yeah, man, if the NCAA came on the campus of Pate State, and I had been stocking the vending machines with Red Bull, and it has a substance banned by the NCAA. I am not flipping on my kids. Sorry, it's not happening. Don't drink Red Bull, though. There are better alternatives out there, and they don't sponsor the show. It's just an example. And one other thing you should know is, I mean, I've been messing with the audio because I had to flip back and forth. So Bradley, the associate, is eventually going to edit this. I don't even know which audio source I'm using right now. To be honest, I have to get on the road to Indianapolis in a little while, and so I'm not even going to listen to this. I'm just going to blindly trust that the blue bars on the screen in front of me mean that audio is coming through, and we're going to have a pretty decent podcast today, because what should the standard be if not pretty decent? Okay, so I put it out on Twitter this morning. So give me those questions. I said, include hometowns, and I said, don't be cussing. And you guys follow through uh, to about a 95th percentile you followed through 
And so let's just dive in. Let's do a thing that we don't normally do. I'm not going to read ahead of time. I'm just going to scan and I'm going to answer. Uh, McDamian said, can we get a mood tracker on Iowa State? I think that they're ready to get back to relevance. So return to relevance if we believe in bookend alliteration there. I love Iowa State. I am biased towards Ohio State. I don't run from it or apologize. This is a school that has Hulk Hogan color scheme and a tornado as a mascot. I don't know how anyone doesn't root for that. You guys live your life. I'll live mine. I think that Matt Campbell had them on the precipice of you know a lot of stuff a couple of years ago. Your boy even got drunk on the Kool-Aid here to the point that, yes, I did predict Iowa State to go to the college football playoff. And you've never heard me apologize for it. You have heard me take a lot of scorn and ridicule for it, and that's okay. I, I like Matt Campbell. Okay, here's the mistake I think people make. They're doing it with Dave Aranda, too. These programs are not supposed to be good. Baylor football, Iowa State football, if you've been around this sport, you know those are supposed to be the wins that you pad your schedule with. They are not supposed to be beating you. And so anytime they do, that is the exception to the rule. Well, we have the attention span and memory of a grapefruit these days in this sport, so the minute someone starts winning, you just assume, all right, they're always supposed to win. Well, no, you're not. Like, people are down on Dave Aranda right now. He's got the best opening three-year stretch that any head coach has had in the history of Baylor football. Matt Campbell at Iowa State has done things over a more extended period of time. No one else has done in the history of that program. But if you think a win is a win and a loss is a loss and you are what your record says you are and you don't add in context and understand the layering of college football, you judge Iowa State on the same scale as Texas. Well, why not, Josh? They're in the same conference. Well, I'll tell you why. They're not the same programs. So Iowa State, all of a sudden they quote-unquote dip, and they're not winning eight or nine games. They're winning five or six games. That's normal. That's normal. What it should be at a program like Iowa State, if you do win, is history says it should be you build up to one year, and boom, hopefully everything goes right. you got a senior-laden roster, and you get the bounces of balls and turnover luck, and maybe you win nine games. Okay, you should regress to five or six wins the next year. That's how it should happen. And that's kind of what happened to Iowa State, and now people have forgotten about him. And now all of a sudden people who thought Matt Campbell was a great coach, he's, now, he's, now he waited too long. And from what I can tell, I don't think the guy's been in a hurry to get out of Ames, Iowa to begin with. So as someone who is very, very comfortable speaking for all Iowa Stadians, I'm going to say we're just ready to get back to national relevance. We're ready to matter on that national scale. But you know what? If we don't, it's not the end of the world. We're not going to burn it down to the ground like maybe some of you people do with your warped expectations. And shame on the rest of you. All right. I'm back. Uh, Let's see. Where do we want to go? Kyle hit us up and said, which old school conference do you miss the most? The Southwest Conference, the Big 8, or the Big East? Man, you could give a good answer for the Big East here, but there is no answer that's going to supersede the Southwest Conference for me. This is back when food was a major player. Rice was in the Southwest Conference. Yes, once upon a time, Rice was there. I was at the gym yesterday, by the way, and there was was a lady who was walking around on the track upstairs. She had a Rice sweatshirt on, and every time she walked by, I just said, food food, food, and she did a lot of laps. So there was a lot of food running around YMCA the other day. But I digress. Yeah, the Southwest Conference was great. Um, the, the documentary, you know, I just mentioned it already, but Pony Excess shows you a really good snapshot of what the Southwest Conference was like. Cheating everywhere. The Southwest Conference was to passing cash 
like the mid-90s was to steroids in baseball. And you can look back on those eras one of two ways. You can either look back and say, oh, it was a stain on the game. How terrible. Or you look, you can look back and say, wow, Bonds McGuire, that was pretty entertaining. Whatever it took, it was pretty entertaining. I feel the same way when I look back and watch The Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania VI. Uh, you know, I doubt that Cliff Bars and four sets of Incline Bench got him looking like that, but it entertained me. I wasn't actually old enough to know what was happening there, but I can go back and watch it. It entertained me. And with the Southwest Conference, people knew what was going on. It was still entertaining. You guys got to watch that documentary if you haven't already. I guess you would go on ESPN Plus and they would have all the 30 for 30s, but it was a wild, wild time. And I think it's made all the better. If you're like me, you you certainly weren't old enough to, I wasn't alive for a lot of that. And even if, even if you were born, maybe you were like a little kid, so you didn't get it. Like if you were the 30-year-old version or even the 20-year-old version of yourself and you were experiencing it, you would get it. So all we have is documentaries. All we have, like Skip Bayless, I know you guys have an opinion of him today. Skip Bayless was working for, I think, the Dallas Morning News at the time. Like, there was a huge newspaper war in the city of Dallas, akin to what it would be like today to have big shows on, like, ESPN or Fox or CBS. Well, newspapers used to be the name of the game. And so they're all covering SMU for the scandal there, but it it's located in the heart of the Southwest Conference, and it was a bunch of Texas schools and Arkansas. That was the Southwest Conference, and it had its own unique culture, its own unique flavor. Believe it or not, some of us still believe that conferences should feel like that. Cameron from Burley, Idaho, he said, Who in your eyes has the potential to be this season's TCU? So an unranked preseason team with zero expectation to make the college football playoff. I have to remember off the top of my head, who's unranked right now? I got two of them. For me, it's either Wisconsin or Oregon State. Like Wisconsin, you understand what would have to happen there. So Luke Fickle comes in. uh, The offense just gets it done in year one. That means Tanner Mordecai transferred in, and he was great at quarterback. That means the offense transitioned under Phil Longo to something the likes of which you really haven't seen in Wisconsin. Uh, You understand, though, like if those things were to happen, this isn't a program that has a poverty roster. They're not elite, but they don't have a poverty roster. And they've been built along the lines of scrimmage really well to where they won't get pushed around, or they shouldn't. So if that were to happen, you got a really good head coach there, and they got guys like Braylon Allen still there, but they went fishing in the portal, and they caught enough really, really good players that playing in the Big Ten West and getting Ohio State at home, you know, just a couple of things go their way. Yeah, they could be a contender. And then Oregon State, no one will believe in them until they force them to. And even if they were a 10-win team last year, no one will believe in them. So if if this were to happen, if DJ Uyangalale goes out there and all he does is fulfill on his former five-star potential, the rest of the team around him is good enough where they can win any game they play. I don't think they play Southern Cal in the regular season, by the way. We had a, a hypothetical post the other night on Late Kick Live, and I think it was a bold prediction, and it was either Oregon or Oregon State. The state of Oregon will produce a college football playoff team. And on the surface, that sounds so crazy because on the surface, you've been trained to believe the Pac-12 can't do that, period, and with good reason because they haven't in like six years. But it would not throw me against a wall and shock me if that were to happen. In fact, that Civil War game, the end of the year, it's a Friday. So the last Friday of the regular season, Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving, that one could be really interesting. Who knows? Who knows who may be out there? 
That was a good question, though. Next up, Peyton said the 2000s felt like college football at its most fun. There were different teams winning almost every year. Are dynasties bad for the sport and bad for the average fan's entertainment? Well, Peyton, I get where you're going with this. I don't know how we define average fan. I think what you mean by that is a kind of a drive-by fan. You know, the, the kind of fan in college football like I am in the NBA. I couldn't care less about the NBA in the regular season, yet there I was at an NBA Finals game in Miami, and that's about when I'll watch. Um, I don't know that I would cater the sport to the average fan. Now, this is where many people in my industry disagree with me, but that's only because they're foolish enough to think you can take what we call P1 and P2s for granted. P1's your most diehard layer of fandom. P2 is folks that pretty much aren't going to miss anything. Uh, neither one of you are going to a fall wedding on a Saturday like you're pretty locked in. There are people who misguidedly think you can take them for granted. You can treat them any way you want to. They'll always be there. Let's go after the casuals. And what happens is you go after the casuals, and they don't come regardless. And then you come back and you find out, wow, kind of lost some of the P1s here, didn't we? Where are the P2s? Uh, NASCAR, pro wrestling, both did this, late 90s, early 2000s. So I don't really, I love the average fan becoming a, a Tier 2 or P2 or a P1 fan, but I'm not going to alter my thought on what's good for the sport just to attract them. And as for the 2000s, I agree with you. I agree that the 2000s gave us probably the most exciting decade in the history of this sport. And for those who don't remember that, I mean, Peyton's talking about dynasties here. And yeah, we've been kind of in the Alabama dynasty world for a long time. But back then, in that decade alone, you started the millennium, like in 2000, Oklahoma won, then it was Miami and Ohio State the next year, and LSU and Southern Cal split the title in 03, Southern Cal won it in 04, Texas in 05, Florida in 06, LSU in 07, Florida again in 08, Alabama in 2009, Auburn in 2010. You notice you had a couple of Floridas there, and if you just go by the BCS, that's it. That's the only repeat champ. The only other one that pulled it off was Southern Cal, but Southern Cal did not win the BCS in 2003. That was an AP national championship. So they only won the BCS title game one time. That right there is insane. And then you go into the next decade, and Alabama wins it in 11, 12, 15, 17, and 20. Clemson won two of them. And then you had the Florida State year and the Ohio State year and LSU in 2019, but it just felt like a death grip got put on the sport. Well, my point there would be, in response, I don't think the sport was any different in the 20-teens than it was in the 2000s. It's a transcendently great head coach came in at a major program and took advantage of what could always have been taken advantage of. Make no mistake, by the way. Had Saban stayed at LSU, LSU would have been running off those national championships. I have no doubt in my mind about that. And so it was going to happen. But, yeah, it took a little while longer. Those 2000s years, though, they were so awesome. And that was also an era, you know, not to go back to just like full rewind mode. That was also the last era before people really cared about what other people thought a whole lot, at least when it came to social media and stuff like that. That was when social media was kind of first. It was around, but it wasn't, you know, that society had drowned itself in it yet. And so you didn't really care like what other people were going to think. And also when you were at sporting events, 
you didn't really care to capture the moment on cell phone. You cared to capture the moment with your eyes and your ears and your senses and your mind. And 100,000 people doing that collectively is an amazing thing. It's also called the hippie movement. Google it, kids. And now, sport's still great. And there are things that technology has done, and there are things that advancements have done, but there's some things I think they've taken away, too. I always say, if you could pick a sweet spot, you just drop me in any given decade of this sport, that year, like, 0 to 09, I think those years, that would be where I go. Because that was when the sport felt the most fun, the most authentic. It was the best blend of technology coming of age, but also not coming of age to the point where you started to strip away some things. We were also in the pre-bowl opt-out era. We were in the pre-playoff era. So no one ever said meaningless November game. No one ever talked about playoff implications. No one spoke like that. Like these were phrases that literally did not exist back then. And it was awesome. It was awesome because, yeah, you wanted to win a national title. But it was also awesome because if Clemson and South Carolina were like seven and five teams at the end of the year, that game still felt like an absolute war just because of what was on the line that Saturday. No one said, well, this game's meaningless because neither team's going to the playoff. No one thought like that. It was just Saturday. That's what mattered. And I get worked up about it because I, I see no reason why people still can't think that way. But that's my world. So, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, let's go with Housen. Housen says, what is the big question possibility that no one's talking about? I think it is, what if none of the major programs really get it figured out at quarterback? In other words, what if Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State, none of them get high-level quarterback play? That's unlikely. But what if it happened? And what if, I got to add on to this, what if Caleb Williams is great again at USC, but defense doesn't improve? So I just took Ohio State, I took Bama, I took Georgia, and I took Southern Cal, and I made them far less likely to win a title. And if they do it, they're not going to do it with an elite team. Think about what I just did to the picture. People think that's so unlikely that they don't consider it. But if that were to happen, what did it do to the picture? I'll tell you what it did. It opened the door for Michigan to win a national championship. It opened the door for Texas to win a national championship. It opens the door for an Oregon to come out of nowhere. If Tennessee's good again this year, it opens that door. Uh, LSU, Florida State, especially the winner of that week one game, all of a sudden they could be trending towards being able to do that. We could get a result like we haven't seen in quite a while. We could get a new team on the number one podium at the end of the year, maybe that we haven't seen in quite a while. And that's not even to mention what could happen in the – in the sort of B conversation. Like, what if Texas A&M takes advantage of that and wins 10 games? Maybe they don't go to the playoff, but what if that were to happen? What if, hey, I didn't even mention Penn State. Penn State could be a prime player in that picture. Maybe Notre Dame, maybe Clemson. I know you wouldn't get as excited about Clemson because you've seen that before, but yeah, if, if that's, that's not spoken about right now because I just don't think people believe it could happen. But I think it could happen. Not likely, but I think it could happen. Next up is Austin. Austin's got a good one, but you're going to have to wait for it because we got to do this first. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What a total dive bomb of an ad toss. Good for me. So Austin brings us back to reality here. He says, what do college players and especially incoming freshmen care about more? Higher likelihood of conference and national titles or playing time? Would players riding a bench but collecting rings leave a program for star player attention for possible elevated draft stock? So he's essentially saying, do you care more about the hardware? Do you care more about being in the spotlight, even if it means you aren't playing? Or do you want to play? And I think most people want the latter. And I I think that it comes with a caveat. So the elite-minded and elite physically gifted players believe you can just do both. Like uh, one of the time-tested traditions of negative recruiting is look at a Georgia or look at an Ohio State, look at a Bama. Bama's dealt with this for a long time. And tell kids, why would you go there and be just another rung on the ladder when you could come here? You could be the whole ladder. We're about hardware all of a sudden for some reason. And they tell them, why, why go there and just be a part of that machine instead of come here and you could build the machine? Or they tell them, you're going to ride the bench there for two years. You'd play here immediately. Well, in the elite mind, that's just you telling me they're the better program. I should go play for them. And by the way, you're doubting me. Why should I listen to someone who doubts that I can play at the highest level? Now, for a weaker-minded person, sometimes that works. They scare you from going to the major program, and they convince you to come here. Now, notice I'm using the word elite. There are some kids who have three stars next to their name on their high school recruiting profile, and they really are a three-star player. They do not have the maximum potential to be a future first-round draft pick. So let's just say that star rating is true. They don't need to be looking at the same places uh, that you know some of these elite kids that come off the board need to be looking. And so for them, I absolutely think most of them would rather go and start at Purdue and potentially, you know, maximize their draft stock than go sit on the bench 
for three years at Ohio State and maybe hope they crack the starting rotation their senior year, but most likely they're a reserve player and only the hardcore fans even know their name and they don't really even get tape out and blah, blah, blah. Um, I also think that the first versus second time around in recruiting is a world of difference. When you're being recruited out of high school, we've been talking about this a lot, when you're getting recruited out of high school, so much stuff matters. The flash matters. Like, I think is the dumbest thing in the world. And I want everyone on every recruiting staff to listen to me. Because you all know it's true, because you all say it after work every day. Posing with pictures of sports cars outside of your football complex is the dumbest thing and the biggest waste of money. Everyone knows it. Every recruiter talks about it. Every staffer talks about it. Every, every design person talks about it. And yet, no one wants to stop because you think that the other guy won't stop, so it gives you a leg up. Well, you also won't stop because it actually works for some kids. You notice how when you're in the transfer portal and you're looking to transfer, no kid in the transfer portal is really taking pictures in cars. It's just not what they care about as much. They've gone through all that junk. They know what actually matters. They've learned what doesn't matter, most importantly. And they really want to get in there with a notebook pad in their hand and a pen. And they want to get in there and they want to shut the door and they want to talk to coaches and they want to feel out the program and find out, can I maximize myself here? And they probably have a checklist if they're smart about it. And they want to know everything from play calling to nutrition. And they want to know everything from how do you handle mental health here to can I meet your trainers because I've had like fluid buildup on my knee be a chronic issue. Do they understand how to treat and prevent my specific kinds of injuries? That stuff matters. Man, high school seniors aren't talking about that. They don't even know to ask about that. So I think that it depends heavily, Austin, on where you are in your college football life. Thomas from Warrior, Alabama is next up. And he said, if you could pick a week nine game to go to right now, no further information, you got to pick now, which one would you go to? Here are the choices. Georgia, Florida, Oregon at Utah, Oklahoma at Kansas, Ohio State at Wisconsin, South Carolina at Texas A&M. I would choose uh, Buckeyes-Badgers here. I've never been to a game at Wisconsin. That's their biggest game of the year. That is one of Ohio State's toughest road games of the year. It's the toughest until they go to Michigan at the end of the year. Um, You're never guaranteed to see a team again. So with Ohio State, like I'm pretty sure I'll see them at least one other time this year. I don't know that I would ever see Wisconsin again. In fact, I'm trying to remember, I don't know that I've ever seen Wisconsin play a football game in person. I think that's right. That's egregious. That's terrible. Okay, so I would pick Ohio State at Wisconsin. That was a pretty easy answer for me. Uh, Denville, New Jersey. Let's get this one out of the way. Trevor said, which non-conference matchup are you looking forward to the most? Uh, that would be Texas at Alabama. I've spoken about it many times. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I don't think that you could take I don't think you could take any more and inject it into that game. You've got the Sark Saban thing. I don't mean versus. It's not like they're mortal enemies. I mean, there are some people whispering doubt about Nick Saban. There are some people whispering doubt about Steve Sarkeesian. If Sark were to win that day, it's Texas is back at full throat. It's Steve Sarkeesian has arrived. It is a ton of questions being asked about Alabama, even though they wouldn't have even entered conference play yet, and vice versa. If Alabama wins that game, especially if it's convincing, if it's like 41 to 23, um, hey, did anyone write off Alabama? You may want to rethink that right quick. Next up, 
Homer said, your new profile picture is not Pate State material. Well, Homer, I'm in the picture. So in a sense, it has to be. A girl asked me the other day if she was Pate State material. I want you guys to know that. She's very attractive. Um, she asked me if she was Pate State material. And I just want you to know, from the bottom of my heart, I did not disappoint us with the answer. That's all I can say right now. Next up is L. Purdy from Irwin, Ohio. And uh, this is Ian. So that's an I. My bad, Ian. Ian from Irwin, Ohio. Asked, is the Pac-12 the deepest conference this year? And is there a realistic scenario for them to get two teams into the playoff? we got to be careful on this. They are going to be wildly entertaining. There may be more competitive balance in the top half of that conference than any conference. The Pac-12 is not as deep as the SEC because the Pac-12 doesn't have the line of scrimmage talent that the SEC does. Now, that really doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the playoff picture. Because really, we've seen that many times come down to one little bounce of the ball or a key injury in early November just shakes up the entire picture. So we don't know that. I'm not going to call the Pac-12 the deepest. I will tell you, you could sell me, like if you gave me a debate stage and you said your topic today is a pro-Pac-12 stance, you have to defend the idea that they're going to be the most fun product to watch this year. I'd have no problem doing that. I probably even believe a lot of what my argument would be. The quarterback depth out there, you want to talk about quarterback depth, they got it. Best conference in college football when it comes to that. And that is the most important position in this sport. And I think that there is no elite team out there in the preseason. There's a lot of pretty good. You can go half a dozen deep. Both of the Oregon schools are good. USC and UCLA are both in there. Washington is in there. Utah's in there. Utah gets Florida to start the year. Oregon goes to Texas Tech in week two. There's a lot of fun early season matchups to be had deepest man you got to be better on the line of scrimmage for me to call you the deepest but it's going to be fun it's going to be fun i hope everyone watches it because it's going to be fun springfield oregon is up next and this is apollo he said would you rather be a fan of a team that wins one national title and then fades back to normality or would you rather be a team that consistently wins 10 to 11 games a year with some regular conference titles peppered in this right here is a debate. I've had this one before. This used to be my go-to when I was doing sports talk radio down in Columbus. And the question was, back then, would you rather be Auburn? So pretend it's like 2012 or something like that. Would you rather be Auburn, who won a national title in 2010, but it's surrounded by terrible years? Or would you rather be Mark Richt at Georgia? You haven't won a title yet, but you're guaranteed to be right in the thick of it every year. Now, there was one caveat on that. And here's the here's the question I used to pose. I used to say, would you rather the next decade for your team have one guaranteed title, but you're not guaranteed anything else any other year, or would you rather have no guaranteed title, but be guaranteed a minimum of nine wins every year? And a lot of people would choose the guaranteed title and possibly sucking for nine other years. I always thought it was a no-brainer. You take being in contention every year because you got to figure if you're right there in the picture in November 10 years in a row and you're any good, you're going to win a title. And maybe you'll win more. Like, that's the whole point. If you choose the latter option, if you choose B, who's to say you don't win five titles? So, yeah, you get your guaranteed title 
on the front end, and boy, it's worth it. Trust me, guys. You win a national championship, it's amazing. But I want to be in the I want to be in the hunt every year. Like if I'm in the hunt, I think eventually we're going to get it done, and maybe we'll get it done multiple times. It was so fascinating. We used to fill three hours of radio down in Columbus, Georgia, arguing that, and I just for the people who said, "How could you turn down a guaranteed title?" They they did. I don't think they got what was being said. Honestly, I think they thought scenario B just guaranteed some wins but no title. No, no, no. It guarantees the wins, but the rest is unknown. Like, you fill in the rest of the blank. Always a fun exercise. All right, here's what's happening this week. I'm going to Big Ten Media Days. We're going to have a live show Thursday night. It's going to be a little bit earlier than normal. I'm going to tell you guys this. you got to promise to keep it to yourself. I think some breaking news is coming this week. It's not finalized, but I am telling you, We are always on earthquake watch in this sport. I told you in January, we are going to have big stuff happening before we get to the regular season. I am standing by that. So let's just keep an eye out there. Not going to be any more specific than that. Let's just keep our eyes open, ears to the ground. I'm going to be in Indianapolis. We'll be interviewing Big Ten coaches. Keep an eye on the YouTube channel. And make sure you're following Twitter and Instagram, at LateKickJosh. I appreciate it so much. For Bradley, the associate, and everyone else here, take care, have a great rest of your day, and God bless. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors. But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com.